Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in Miller and Condon on a Thursday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, with you for the next couple of hours. Thanks for carving out some of your morning to spend with Trent and I. On the BMW Des Moines guest list, well, yesterday the uh, hurricane that went through the eastern part of the state took out Matt Rudy's cell service. It's back today, so we're going to grab him. We're scheduled to have Zuba Mahente. Got him. So we uh, we can't uh, make that work this week, but Zubin next week at some point. But uh, the guest list looks like this. Matt Rudy from Golf Digest will join us in about 20 minutes. The PGA is underway out in San Francisco. It must start at bright and early, right? I mean, It started 7 o'clock their time on 9 o'clock our time, so they are underway. Tony Finau, what are my picks to win? And you also mentioned Shifley was off to a good start. He is. It's... Uh, a good start to things here. Got my contest going in a couple of DraftKings contests. Got some money out there. And away we go hmm. with the PGA. We're going to have seven majors. I think, well, no, what would it be? Yeah, eight majors. No, seven majors and in the next Ryder, 11 months. And a Ryder Cup? It would be 13 months. Because in the Ryder Cup, September of next year, they September moved it? September of next year. Yeah, that sounds right. So that's a boatload of majors. Well, is, uh, that's okay. where we're at. I'm good. Yeah, yes. I'm good. Let's let's see that that happens. Uh, so we will talk to Matt Rudy coming up here at about 1025. Mitch Holtis will join us. So will Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, kind of. Uh, that's the, we'll uh, hear he, from him. We'll hear from him. Right. Uh, he is the uh, focus of Mitch's piece today. Uh, look forward to Mitch Holtis. He's the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, and he joins us every day during training camp, brought to us uh, by uh, Papa John's at um, Tom Donaldson, the crew over there. He joins us at 1050. John Bowenkamp from the Maven, uh, the uh, Sports Illustrated arm, will join us, HawkeyeMaven.com. We'll talk basketball. We'll talk football. Uh, we'll talk Dodgers, I'm assuming, with John. He's a big baseball guy. John Bowenkamp at 11.05. And then with the Iowa Wild playing today, it's uh, 11 or 1.30. We thought 11.30 or so. We get Joe O'Donnell in here to preview a pivotal Game three uh, between the Wild and the Canucks. Just real quick, mm-hmm. I, I'm for, for the last well, the three cups that the Blackhawks went on. I think I picked against them in every series. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. And it just they, they knock the team off. They win another one. Soon there's, there's a parade in downtown Chicago. Rinse and repeat two other times. And I didn't like them in this series at all. No, I, you did not. I thought they were going to three straight. They're not going to be in the bubble very long. They're going to make their way to Edmonton, and soon they'll be back in Chicago and leaving to. Parts unknown for their summer vacation, what's left of it. Trent, they won again. They did. And a game that, even when they were down early on, it felt like from the times that I was watching them, they were out playing the Oilers. And mm-hmm. just one of those games that it wasn't working. You know hockey a lot better than I do. And you know those kind of games, though. Just for whatever reason, puck's not getting back there. Yep. You're not getting the right deflection. Whatever it is, they were out playing the Oilers, but they were down. And as somebody that had the Oilers minus uh, one and a half, I was waiting for that empty netter late. You looked like you were in good shape. I, I really was. I felt good about it as it moved into the third period. But then they get the equalizer with yeah. about five minutes left. And then just a couple minutes later, put another one on to take the lead. Jonathan Taves. And hold it on. It was such a weird game where you dominate, but you're down. 
then it feels like the Oilers are just going to coast into the victory, and you get the win in regulation. Mm-hmm. It was a crazy one last night. I was happy to stay up with it and celebrating with uh, the Blackhawk fans on Twitter as they were going. Oh, were you? Up. Nice. Wow. Very nice. I, I didn't tweet anything out, but just looking just through Twitter. And good. There's so many people around here. Yeah, and there just are. people that we follow yep. that are Blackhawks fans. So good for them. And, hey, some kind of local angle. Maybe we'll get the Wild to the next round. Maybe the Blackhawks. Wow. Of course, the Blues are going to be there. Mm-hmm. A little bit of local is always a good thing when we're trying to talk hockey. No, I'm, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. The uh, Habs and the Hawks are the biggest two surprises for me. Uh, Montreal's got Pittsburgh on the brink as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Des Moines connection there. Uh, Jeff Petrie, whose dad is Dan Petrie, who pitched for the 1984 world champion Detroit Tigers. Really? Yeah, it's his kid, Jeff Petrie, who came through Des Moines. Oh gosh, uh, we did a ton of shows over there when the Bucks were actually good, mm-hmm. and they were making one of their last run, maybe two thousand seven, two thousand eight. And Jeff Petrie was on that team, and you could just tell. I mean, this guy had starred and written all over him. He had a couple of goals. He's had the game winner in both of their wins uh, so far. So a Des Moines Buccaneer connection uh, with the uh, Canadians, but a great star, great story for these Blackhawks last night. One more on hockey. Your you t- if you want, to, you can have one more than one if you want. <laughs> your Jets. Play tonight at 9.30. Uh-huh. You are very much about your routine. Yes. You like to finish things off, do it the right way. Mm-hmm. But this might be your last time you get to see your team play. Till November. Till November. Yep. Are you staying up for the whole thing? No. You're not? Well, it depends. You know, you can push your walk back and no, instead of doing it. it at 6 a.m., you can do it at it, like 7.30. You can? Yeah, it's okay. You can break routine. Wait a second. Yes, th- this is something that is allowed. Stay up late and watch your team. I just well, I'll try. I mean, it depends on the score for I mean, well, yeah, if, they, yeah, if they're getting clubs. if it's four nothing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm turning it. We'll see in November, and we'll right. see at the uh, again. This is so weird that they've already held the um, the draft, if you will, the lottery. <laughs> yeah, and one of the eight teams that gets beaten the first round is going to get the first overall pick. I mean, Detroit had the worst record by far, and they had two chances wow. to win the lottery. I didn't realize that. Oh, they fell to like fourth. And so the lose one of the eight losers of these first round will get the first overall pick. So I'm kind of, in a way, you yeah. know that this team minus Line and Shaffley, they're yeah, not making a run. There's no way. There's there, there's just no way that they're going to advance. There's no chance. And they got cap room uh, for next year. Anyways, we'll 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 save. We'll, save I'll that do a whole Rodan. show on yeah. Winnipeg Jets next week when you're gone. No, I won't. But uh, but you are gone uh, for a couple of days. Anyways, uh, so the BMW Des Moines guest looks looks good. We're going to cover a lot of ground. We will talk more hockey uh, at 11:35. Scott Dockerman wrote a really good piece at the Athletic when it comes to the. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to stop. Full stop. Mm-hmm. The breaking news after that was Jamie Pollard put out a uh, a memo, and he's been really good at this, uh, alerting the fan base what he thinks is going to happen pursuant to the Big 12. So let's start right there because this is uh, fresher than Doc's uh, Big 10 information. Jamie Pollard says the conference portion of the schedule will start September the 26th. Correct. But two weeks prior to that, on September the 12th, they will hold their non-conference game. Mm -hmm. So, for the most part, I think that eliminates UNLV. Because the Mountain West said that they will not start nothing until September 26th. So, September 12th is that eliminates them. Mm -hmm. So, it looks as though it's going to come down to South Dakota... Or Ball State will visit Jack Trice Stadium on the twelfth of September. Gotcha. Okay, so that makes sense. And then a bye week for uh, everybody yep. in conference. Yep. So those two, those three, no, there was four. Uh, 
West Virginia, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Matt Olson said there was another. Was it? It was TCU. I'm pretty sure it was TCU. Okay. There were four schools that were going to play on the 29th of August. Mm-hmm. That's out the window. That's off. Yep. By the sounds of things, so September 12th will be the first. Everybody's non-con. By week on the 19th, back on the 26th to lift the lid on conference play. That's from Jamie Pollard this morning. Cyclones.com if you want to read it yourself. Uh, week zero games that are currently scheduled include Marshall at East Carolina. I'm in. UC Davis at Nevada. Mm, that's a stretch. Cross off the Southern Illinois, Kansas, and Missouri State, Oklahoma games. Yeah. SMU at Texas State. So Marshall, East Carolina, come on down. It moves the needle to me. And, and for the Sun Belt that says they're going to try to play 12. Uh-huh. And for the American Athletic Conference that says they're going to try to play 12. Uh-huh. It makes perfect sense. If you can, pull it off. Hell yeah. Play the games in that week uh-huh. zero. Get yourself the notoriety and the coverage that you're going to have. Because for the first couple of weeks of college football, week one. It's hit and miss. It's going to be Big Ten. Uh-huh. And that's going to be the majority of where the coverage is going to be. And because of that, you're looking for some kind of window. You're looking for some kind of pub. The Central Floridas of the world. This is the time to get out there. And the action bet on those games through legal <laughs> sports books, yes. those weekend trends. Of, oh, boy. I got something here for you kind of in that realm. And this is talking about the American Athletic Conference, the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. This comes from a professor at Tulane, part of the American Athletic Conference, okay. and uh, Troy Dannon School, yep. the Former athletic director. At you and I, yep. Um, this, uh, this professor, director, and the chair of the American Athletic Conference's COVID-19 Medical Advisory Group. This is something I've been arguing. He put it much more succinct than I've been able to. Quote, there's no real good medical reason to say we're going to start August 29th or we're going to start September 29th. If you're playing football, you're playing football. I don't think there's anything that is going to change moving this back. And that's why I've, I've continued. Build in more weeks. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I just continually look at this and it doesn't make sense. Even the Big 12, who seem to be at the forefront of things, trying to get as much as possible in, even waiting till September twenty sixth. Why? Yeah. What What's the justification behind it? Outside of excellent point. The one theory I have heard is they want to see what happens in the NFL when these guys are banging. But these guys are going to be practicing. Mm-hmm. Practice starts Friday for most everybody mm-hmm. in college football. Practice starts. You're going to know, regardless one way or the other, just how bad this thing and if something does happen, how quickly it can spread. So because of that, that that's the part that I just continually I'm shaking my head at. I haven't heard a real good reason why September 26th makes more sense than August 29th. Well, the ACC's come out, and they're going to uh, take your advice. They're going to start on the 12th of September. Oh, good. Uh, so they're, on, they're, they're underway the uh, week, following, uh, week following Labor Day, and then they've got a whole bunch of buys early uh, with a uh, chance to make up some ground later. They're going to move their championship to the 19th. So... Uh, and the Big 12, back to the Big 12, if they, do you know where they're going to play their championship game if they can't get uh, Jerry World? No, I didn't see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the home of the Texas Rangers. The new Rangers Is it Global Stadium. Life? Globe Life. Globe, Globe Life or Global Life? Yeah. Is it a bank? I don't know. Or don't insurance. Know Must not be very big around here. Well, the home of the Texas Rangers, yes. the brand new ballpark, that is the fallback plan if they can't play, if they mm-hmm. have to keep pushing back. Uh, and um, Jerry Pretty good Jones consolation yeah, side prize. Bad. And they've got a plan. Yes, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So the flexibility is good at the end of the season. College football playoff will go off if this yes. happens. But what else? What else will there be? Will as there far be, as bowl games? Yes. Will there be any... Will it be no. something regional where the, they would have played the Rose Bowl, but the Rose Bowl is part of the playoffs? Right, this year. right, yeah. Them in the Sugar Rider right, uh-huh. part of the rotation this season. But what? What would they do with the uh, Fiesta Bowl? Yeah, 
Orange Bowl. Right. Chick-fil-A. Peach Bowl. Will, will they try? I would think so with those ones. They're mm-hmm. part of the big money. And then that trickle down. And if you're somebody like the Outback Bowl, the Capital One Bowl, knowing, boy, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to bring a team from the Midwest down here to play a Not game. This year. In the current. But what if you take that name and the corporate structure and your TV slot that you already have and say, you know what? Let's have Iowa play Missouri in St. Louis. Let's have Kansas State play Iowa in Kansas City. Let's do something where it's more regionalized and go that route. You have Purdue, Tennessee, but you played at Lucas Oil. Well, you know who we could see, Trent, if you're going to go that far? Iowa State. Right. Put it in the Unidome. Sure. Have Fairway sponsored. Have Casey's sponsored. Something like that. And even on that local well, you, front. You may as well play it in the Unidome because I'm not sure fans are going right. to be allowed in the building. And that's more than likely, and it's going to uh-huh. be indoors if you're playing this game in December or early January. Or go put it in a dome. to the Twin Cities. Yeah. There's a, we're surrounded by them. Put it in Fargo. I mean, you got dome capabilities a lot of different places. If you're worried about weather, keep it regional. Yeah. Go that route. I think it would make a whole lot of sense to do that. And I'm going to guess to get the Unidome in December not going to cost a whole lot of money no. for this corporate structure to make it happen. And you do something like that, in another game, and you put it's, it on television. It's entirely different, right? And yeah. if you're trying to make up money that you're going to lose throughout the regular season, and you're going to because there's fewer games, uh, there's an opportunity to do so. Well, uh, we'll see where it leads, Trent. It's, uh, it's a fluid situation. Daily. Daily, right. It does change almost daily. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the uh, baseball from yesterday. You know what? Mentioned yesterday the, the Royals. Look, they're not going to win a ton of games, right? They're no. going to they're going to lose way more than they're going to win. They're 3 and 10. Yeah, exactly. And you got to you got to look for small victories. And to me, it's finding some of these young guys on the roster that you know may make an impact on your baseball team before it's all said and done. And yesterday again, uh, I've been telling you about that kid that that fireballer, mm-hmm. Straw, I got to get his name. Um Man Bun throws 98 <laughs> miles an hour. Uh, just, just guys. You I mean he faced three Cubs the other night, and struck them all out, and did so very economically, pitch wise. Let me find his name for. I want to get it right because there was another kid that pitched last night that you got Stramont, Josh Stramont. Well, yesterday in the spotlight, they threw another uh, Nico Horner's teammate at uh, uh, at Stanford of all things. They put him on the bump last night. His name's kind of difficult to say. Uh, Bubik, Bubik, Bubich, Bubik. He's a lefty. And he was okay early in the baseball. The Cubs are a talented team. They have more talent. But back to the, you know, my premise on the Royals, and they're gonna they're gonna lose a ton of baseball games. But find something to get excited about. And there's two kids you can get excited about. And they'll get to see another one of their young hopeful guys tonight with Keller making his way back mm-hmm. from COVID. He was stricken what about a month ago, I think mm-hmm. it was. And he saw Singer early in the week. He yeah. celebrated his birthday, and he looks like he's got a future. And Duffy's a nice solid player. Duffy that, is a nice pitcher. That top three. All right, now mm-hmm. you're moving, and you're waiting for young arms, and you're waiting for more of that talent to make its way through. But at the very least, you can see you can see those pieces starting to kind of place themselves. Absolutely. Maybe it's 2022. Yeah, I, it's I, a ways off. Yeah, I, mean, sure. I think that's realistic. 2022, can we vie at the very least for a wild card? You know, 
be above 500 that season. I think that's a realistic goal for this organization. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's not going to come quickly, but uh, have patience, folks. Look, it's not too many years you don't have to go back, and there was a, there was a parade for crying out loud. Right. So, a couple uh, of World Series, yeah, including a couple of appearances. Right. Yep. One, one, lost one. Uh, Darvish was really good last night. He Again, was. as Cappy reminded us yesterday, got to kind of remember who they're playing. Uh, but Darvish had command last night, which yeah, they, was which was as impressive as anything. That, that's my notes right here. Control. Yep, that's exactly what it was for Darvish last last night. You can really see that from the get go from him, yeah. and you can kind of tell when you's got it. Mm-hmm. When it's one of those nights, and certainly last night, he didn't strike out a ton. It was more the defense helping him out back behind him. But it was one of those matchups where he went out there and just had his stuff. Knew it was going against the Royals. It wasn't going to do anything crazy. And when he walks one guy, he's nearly impossible to beat. He's that talented. Yeah. When the control is He's there. He's got a huge repertoire. Does he not? Jeffers was terrific. And how about Colin Ray getting an opportunity? Yes. Speaking of command, he was in command. Threw 18 pitches, 15 of them strike, struck out a couple, made it through unscathed in the uh, final inning. So what are the gonna, plans going forward for him? I'm not saying he's going to be anointed as the closer, but they don't have one. They're searching. Well, and remember the... 30-man roster is being cut down today 28. to 28. And then it stays, right? It's no longer going to... 26 is yeah, what they were going to no, go No, yes. they, they've thrown that out there saying, you know, 28 28. That's where we're staying. So so the, everybody's got decisions. Another uh, thing that I ran across last night, the increase in injuries to pitchers... It's alarming. It's a huge, yeah. huge spike up. Yeah. And it's not just starters. It's not just relievers. It's across the board. Mm-hmm. The start now. Soroka was as a fluke. Yes, I mean, he yeah. tore his Achilles coming off the mound to field a ball, right? And that's a fluky play here. Yeah. But but even some of those soft tissue type mm-hmm. of injuries that have cropped up and happened, and then the major ones that have been out there too. And we still and including that. Speaking of the thirty man roster, thirty man roster means a lot of these guys are still part of that active yeah, roster. Max Scherzer point. being one of those guys. Yeah. We haven't seen him. Right. We haven't seen him because he has, what, a nerve issue with his hand? Uh-huh. Verlander. I mean, there's yeah. a bunch of huge names out there. It's a huge, huge spike up. Uh-huh. And you can say, well, doesn't this normally happen at this time of the year? No, that, that's not the case. Well, doesn't that normally happen in the beginning of the season? No. No, that's not the case. It's not. This ramp up, we have learned not enough time for mm-hmm. these pitchers. I, I think that's a very, very clear Something you can take away from this. Well, and I thought Scott Boris made a good point last week, too, about all these teams that are having to lay off for a week. You know, yes, and then yeah. you got your guys are sitting around doing nothing for a week, and then you're throwing them back out onto the field. That's uh, crazy times. Uh, but the uh, I think baseball, as we said yesterday, I think that the message is starting to sink in. The commissioner sent an edict around to everybody what he wants to. I mean, face masks, because you look at the dugout now. Uh, and the, and the coaches are all wearing are wearing face masks, but apparently all the players when they come off the field, mm-hmm. you know, you put your glove in your in that little cubicle, if you will. Uh, that's where your face mask is going to be when you're out on the field because you're supposed to have them on. Other than when you're on the on the playing field, so we'll we'll see. But uh, they are stay in your hotel. Mm-hmm. They are cracking down. They want to get through this uh, schedule, uh, this regular season. Why wouldn't they be? I haven't not seen the ratings. Other than I got a either. big bump the first week, and apparently they kind of went down after that, which surprised me. Yeah. Um, Speaking of that, I haven't seen. I've seen a lot of NHL ratings, which have been very good. Have they? Uh, but I haven't seen anything either NBA or MLB here in the last probably week and a half, which. Normally that stuff seems to kind of go through my Twitter mm-hmm. timeline quite often with the different people that I follow, but I haven't seen much of that. I'd have to do a little investigation. Another thing I always love is to see those local, what the regional networks yeah, are getting right. and, and how big 
in Minneapolis and Chicago. Well, Minneapolis fans, fans have a have a choice to make this afternoon. That what are they, they going to do? do? Twins at twelve thirty against an outman Pittsburgh Pirates team, or the Wild, who are one one in their playoff. I think the state of hockey is watching hockey. I think you're going to be right on that one. I think there'll be more people certainly mm-hmm. invested in that game. It's as a one thirty, one thirty five. I think is that uh, what it is. Puck drop on. Uh, NBCSN. Boy, there's more of those. Uh, there were, there are more of those NBCSNs than I realized. There was a lot of cuts throughout uh, the country yesterday. Oh yeah, uh, layoffs. I mean, big time layoffs. Washington had like 30 employees. Uh-huh. San Francisco, Philadelphia, yeah. Boston. Of course, Chicago, as we know of. We talked to Cappy about that yesterday. And then um, the national front with our friend Rob Dost. Right. Yep. On the college basketball the side. Com portion um, of things. Craig Calcaterra, who I used to have on quite often. Oh, yeah, often. we had him on, right? Yeah. He, he uh, lost his gig, too? He did over at Hard Bowl Talk and, uh-huh. and everybody else that was part of that. Aaron Gleeman, who now writes for The Athletic yeah, for the Twins. Yeah, he made a good move there. Yeah, he made the move to what Baseball Perspective for a couple uh-huh. of years before getting his gig with The Athletic, but he was a part of that for a really long time. Just so tough to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, I listened to a podcast uh, yesterday with Doster, and he was on with Jeff Goodman, who works for Stadium now, yep. long time with ESPN. And Doster, he's so good. He's going to find a gig, and well, him and Goodman were doing that gig at the mm-hmm. end when bas- yep. when it shut down with Stadium. And yeah. you know, one thing he brought up though that I, I thought made a whole lot of sense. He started to do a few of those A10 games that were on NBC Sports Network, but mm-hmm. they don't have a whole lot of content. He kind of reached as high as he could go at NBC because mm-hmm. it's not a big college basketball right. destination. And, right. and now he's hopeful that something bigger can come. I listened to a couple of those games, watched a couple of the games that he did in A10. He's really talented to that too. He's good on the radio. He's yeah. good on his podcast and. He's going to land on his feet. I don't think there's any doubt. Well, there's a bunch of people, sadly, that are looking for work. As, uh, that has not been a good week. Well, let's see if we can help somebody make their week. By the way, we had a winner in the building yesterday. Heather Burnside on the bus. Was it the 11 o'clock hour? I think it was the 11 was? o'clock hour. Yeah, one of Heather's listeners uh, won $1,000. KXNO and iHeart would love to give you an opportunity to help pay your bills. Text the keyword, ironically. Oh, that's the wrong. What's the date today? The 6th. It is the 6th. Uh, I was about to give next week's Thursday <laughs> keyword. Uh, text the keyword BANK to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. BANK. To 200, 200 You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Hi, Matt Rudy from Golf Digest. We will talk a little PGA, the first of, as Trent mentioned, the seven majors in the next 11 months. Uh, we'll talk to Matt Rudy about that. Mitch Holtis this hour as well. John Bowenkamp on the Hawks and the Big Ten. And then Joe O'Donnell, Trent, and I will preview Canucks and the Minnesota Wild. They play at 1.30. Pivotal Game 3 Series tied at 1. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and one. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs in 20 minutes. Right now, we're going to talk some golf. Matt Rudy, Golf Digest, joins the program. Matt, uh, we were just talking before we came on the air here, and before we get into the golf, and there's so much there, the power outage that you're dealing with there in Connecticut is absolutely crazy. You're telling me about it. Not only that, 
it wasn't just a power outage. Your house got hit by a tree. You don't have power. And you're in Connecticut where you can't just put on your mask and go to a sports bar and do your job and watch the PGA Championship because everything in Connecticut where you are is shut down. What a difficult circumstance you're dealing with today. It's the first major in a year, and I can't even watch it today. I'm gonna have to come and have to call you back if you can put me on hold so I can listen to what's going on. Uh, we've we've been, we've had no power for three days. Uh, I live in a suburb about an hour outside New York City, and it's a it's a beautiful place and lots of old you know these beautiful mature trees. And now all those beautiful mature trees are laying on people's houses. So I'm guessing you haven't had a lot of hurricanes go through that part of the country previous, oh, right? We've had hurricanes and big. We've had uh, wind storms. We've had all kinds of blizzards. Yeah. Uh, it's been a it's been an adventure. But hey, man, I'm I'm here. Um, I've got my six year old in the car behind me, or excuse me, my eight year old in the car behind me, uh, and she's going to listen in, and we're going to talk all. Absolutely. Let, let's get into it. Now, Trent was telling, uh, teased us earlier that in the next 11 months, there's seven majors. So if you even go 12 months, it would be seven majors and a Ryder Cup, right? Because they rescheduled that to next year. So if you're a golf fan. Yeah, you, you, could, uh, you, could make, you could make the Hall of Fame in less than three months. Win a, win a couple of these and you're in. Yeah, almost, you're 100% right. Well, who's going to win this one, Matt? I mean, first of all, you know, let's talk about the golf course. I know nothing about this venue. Um if there's been big events there in the past, and I'm sure there must have been, right? I don't, I don't recall them. Tell me about Harding yeah, they, Park. So they had a, they had a World Golf Championship there in 2015 that Rory McIlroy ran away ran away with, and I I, I think the best equivalent it's a it's a West Coast version of Best Cake. You know, it's a it's a public wow. course, kind of Parkland style. You know, it's it's kind of a broad shouldered place. The, the greens aren't crazy. There's not you know, it's not a lot of mystery. Uh, the mystery is 250 yard par threes and, and thick rough. I mean, that, that's the, that's what they've got going on there. And the wild card always in, in Northern California is the weather. It's been in the fifties there this week so far. And that just makes a 7,800 yard golf course play mm. longer. So if you were betting, I don't think I would bet on the club pro. There's a guy, Jeff Hart, who's a 60 year old club pro who made it. <laughs> and he's, uh, I just was reading, uh, I was waiting for you guys that he's averaging 240 off. And he's under par, which is wow. that. Now that is an achievement. But I, I would not. I would not uh, use my wagering to favor guys that are short hitters this week. There's been a lot of talk and a theory out there about what's happening with that weather that you mentioned, how difficult it's going to be for Tiger Woods, getting the back loosened up, being able to go, that this is just not a place that's realistic for him to make any type of run. Can he grind? Can he make a cut? Sure, but maybe that's about the best-case scenario, a top-20 type of thing. Is that what your expectations are for Tiger, best-case scenario, or do you see him, things start to click, that he can still make a run even in the environment he's going to be playing in? I think there's two pieces to that. I, I, the, I think if you ask him, the back fusion stuff means that hotter, warmer weather is better mm-hmm. in general than cooler stuff. Um, does that mean he can't do it? No. It doesn't make it less likely than a place like Augusta National where he's got so many rounds in, so many good memories. It's a, it's a hot, humid place. Uh, I don't think I would be as hard on embedding as I would in some other venues. The other big issue when you talk about this kind of place, Tiger just hasn't played a lot of rounds. So there's, there's, there's good to that. I mean, he has the lowest mileage that he could possibly have at this point in the season. He just hasn't played a lot of golf, so there hasn't been a lot of wear and tear. He's been able to work out a lot and you know get his body where he wants it. The downside to that is rust, and 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 that's the wild card I think for any player 
these days. It's trying to figure out with a crazy schedule and compact big tournament, how do you get yourself ready to play this quick stretch of golf where there's a lot of, a lot coming up and he's formulated the plan that he's not going to play a lot coming into it and then be ready to play this stretch. So the question will be, what, what does that rust look like? And I don't think anybody knows. And that's one of the fun things of this new scenario. I mean, if we're going to look for silver linings, that's one of them. It's, it's playing majors at different times. It's playing courses like Augusta national at different, in different seasons. Uh, you're going to see which players can adapt and which ones are going to be thrown off by all of this change. Hmm. John Rom, uh, you pick him every time. Seemingly, you come on the air with us, but you didn't before hey, the moment. Number one, he's number one. Hey, the record, he's number one. He's number one in the world now. So I was saying this before that. So at least I'm not making all these things up. Uh, no, that's true. But you, you didn't jump on the bandwagon prior to the memorial, which Trent and I got a kick out of as well. He wins it. Uh, you know, but back to that penalty. I know it's in the past, and we'll get to the here and now right after this. It's in one way it's unfortunate that the, the HD and they just happened to uh, be zoomed in on that uh, incredible chip shot that he that he hold from off the green. Uh, but a rule's a rule, right, Matt? Did you have a problem with the two stroke? It didn't affect the outcome. He, he still won, and he had enough wiggle room there. Would have been, I mean, would have been horrible had that cost him, but it didn't. Just your thoughts on that before we move back to here and now. Well, it would have been a lot braver to give the guy a penalty. That's that a good point. The turn, tournament away. I mean, at, at that point, it's easy to do because it reinforces the rule with all the players, but it doesn't actually cost anybody anything. Uh, I, all the tour players I talked to and the coaches that I talked to after that, and I was in the in the, the circuit of doing a big piece with a couple of them, so I had a chance right right when it was happening to get some insight. What what he did in in the context of this high definition camera. I'm somebody who's shot, I mean, it must be 750 instruction stories for Golf Digest and probably more. Uh, when you when you do that and you're six some six and some change feet away from the ball like his head was from, you know, from where the ball was, that amount of oscillation with the club going behind it, it's not something that he would have perceived. And and I mean, I guess you can call a penalty on somebody on somebody for anything if, if the camera shows it, but I think that the rule changes that they've tried to put in place are ones that say if you could not have perceived or gained an advantage from what happened, then there's no penalty. And, and, and I don't think that anybody would look at what happened and say that what he did caused him to gain advantage. Right. So I'm not quite sure why they, they called that penalty, but I mean, I mean, I mean, you can double hit it now. And if it wasn't intentional, it's not a penalty. So, mm-hmm. so let's, let's try to keep that in perspective because I think the, the, these, these, Penny any kind of little rules like this that that knickknack, you know, you know, like a ticky tack foul in the NBA. What that does, I think, is is it reduces people's interest in in the outcome because it feels like it's arbitrary and it doesn't connect with what the actual outcome is. I mean, if somebody's cheating, like Patrick Reed swiping the the sand back away, you know, on his way in a practice swing, that that's that's a penalty, and that you should call that as a penalty. If if something like this happens where you need a microscope to see it. I don't think that adds to the to the broadcast. Matt Rudy joining us from Golf Digest. Uh, I want to jump into Brooks Kepka here. Um, going for his third straight PGA Championship, and he's got something to chip on his shoulder this week. He wasn't part of the featured groups. <laughs> and Brooks Kepka, after we got through uh, earlier this spring, and Michael Jordan, who would take any little slight and make it into a big deal, 
Brooks Kepka has a whole lot into him here. Your thoughts on him after seemingly finding himself a little bit in Memphis a week back. What you think of his chances getting three in a row? It's so difficult, but I guess if there's a guy to do it, he's got that chip now. It would be Brooks Kepka. I think I think he has successfully discovered uh, a persona that re- that is, that is the. I think it's the perfect mixture for him because the, this the black hat chip on the shoulder persona requires you to talk a whole lot less than to be the Phil Mickelson persona. So you can be the kind of, you know the guy that that doesn't give the big long answers, and you can be the guy that everyone's afraid to to walk up and talk to. And I, it's effective is it because it reinforces. Uh, you know, your kind of Terminator personality at majors, and and he actually comes out and says things like majors are easier to win because so many people are putting it in reverse. And and if you look at his career record, he doesn't have a great record anywhere else in any other tournament except for the majors. And it, it's almost as if the 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 regular week in week out where you've got to make you know forty birdies to win a tournament. That's not his taste. His taste is is for difficult golf courses that require you to make good decisions and minimize mistakes. And uh, he, he, he doesn't, his, his temperature, his blood pressure doesn't rise as much as other players do in that environment. And it's a massive advantage to have uh, because this is how we're counting. Look, look at Brooks Kepka's reputation. He hasn't won a raft of regular tour events like Bryson DeChambeau has, but when you think about major championships, People aren't putting their money down on Bryson this week. They're putting it down yep. on, on Brooks. You know, why aren't they betting DeChambeau? Is it because it's just you mentioned, um, you know, you compared Harding Park to Beth Page, and that's not forgiving, and you basically, if you leave the fairway, you're in trouble. And DeChambeau, I mean, he hits it a mile, but sometimes he has no idea where it's going. Um, is I that is the, that the, why the, you think? The bigger factor for DeChambeau is I think people still think he's fragile. And I, and then to a degree, they're right. Mm-hmm. I, you know, with the fire ants and the looking for the, right. you know, looking for a ruling and, you know, people, the perception of him is that if it goes badly, he has trouble reorienting and keeping it on the rail. And at a major, you're going to make mistakes. I mean, Brooks Kepka ran out way ahead of everybody at Beth Page and made a double, you know, made some mistakes and brought some people back into it, but then he closed the door. Uh, you're not going to win majors unless you're Tiger Woods in 2000, where you just beat people by you know 25 shots. You have to be able to look at adversity and have it happen to you, and then you know pull, pull yourself together on the next tee and go on and, and do what you're supposed to do. And that's the part that that Bryson is going to have to overcome at a major and, and actually do it. And uh, the only way to to find out if you can do it is to find out and to go and put yourself in those positions. And it takes some players. A little bit longer. I mean, let's keep in perspective too. I don't even think Bryson's 25 yet. So I mean, there's there's still time. It's still it's still early. Uh, but but you know, he he hasn't reached the Jordan Spieth phase of his career yet, where you realize that you can go do this and win these without all of your best weapons. And, and if your best weapon is your mind, and that's always there, you can you can take tournaments away from people who might be striking it better than you. So, golf has had a lot of momentum here the last couple of months. TV numbers are through the roof, and we get the major championship, even minus the fans this week, and it's going to be different certainly watching that. Matt, what can golf do in the PGA as a whole to to capitalize on this momentum that they seemingly have over these last two months now with hockey and NBA and MLB all back? What can they do to continue the momentum going forward and leading in to the future 2021 and beyond? I think the tour has to go against its impulse and encourage the fact that there are different 
players with different personalities and, 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 you know, encourage the, the black hat and the white hat, you know, the, 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 all the, all the different um, styles of personality and mm-hmm. styles of player and, and, and get people to, to root, have a rooting interest. Like if you watch uh, the premier league, you know, there, there are, there are Liverpool fans, there's Man U fans, you know, everybody's got a team that they root for and they love to root against the other team and all of that, like in wrestling, you know, the, the love and the hatred go hand in hand. And I think hatred is probably too strong of a term, but if, but if, if the tour were to encourage, you know, the, the personalities to come out and to, and to get people to care about the, 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 the guys in the, in the different colored polo shirt, that would be great. Because I think what makes sports so much fun is a rooting interest, and, and the, you know you, you root for the jerseys of your favorite team, and you and you have a home you have a home team and an away team, and uh, to, to to make it a TV sport that resonates with American fans, it has to go beyond a single personality like Tiger. I mean, Tiger sure helps. When, when, you know, winning the Masters was a big help. But if you can have Tiger and have uh, you know accentuate the personalities of some of these other players and not be afraid. For that to for those people those players to be counter to each other. I mean the Brooks Kepka and and Bryson DeChambeau mini feud is is, is fun. Yeah, <laughs> they should yep. and they should play it up and 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 you know it, 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 there should be some uh, some I mean, combativeness is not the right word in this in this political environment we're in. But you know the to have a little bit of edge between the players, I think that's good. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Matt, last thing, uh, what's it going to take to win this golf tournament? Will will the winner be in double digits under par? Or will this will be close to level par? What do you think it's going to take to win it? Uh, the 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 greens there, like Bethpage, are not super tricky, and if you can stay in the fairway, you're you you can make long birdie putts there. And from what I understand, just checking in with a couple of my friends, now that I'm finally in cell range. Um, <laughs> the it's it's a little bit warmer today and the ball is flying a little bit. And uh, I think Scotty Scheffler went out early and is doing, is doing some things. And, and if the, if, if the course is receptive weather wise, if it's a little warmer and the ball flies a little bit, you know, there, there's, there's good players and, 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 and players who can hit it long and straight. I, I don't think this is a place where it's going to be a winged foot style bloodbath. I think you can, I think you can make some birds. Good stuff, Matt. Hopefully your cell service is good on Monday. We'll try same time, but I'll text you over the weekend to make sure. All right. I just, so, I, just I just hope the trees off my house. By that. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, thank you. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah. See ya. Good to talk to you. Matt Rudy, Golf Digest, uh, joins us as we preview PGA. It is underway, and uh, Scotty Scheffler, as he mentioned, is uh, he's the leader right now. He is two under. Uh, Tiger playing with Rory and mm-hmm. Justin Thomas. And uh, Rory and Tiger had to sprint, literally run to the tee. What happened? They're at the practice and they're just running behind and both of them must have looked at the watch and said, wait, we got to get going. Oh my. And there's a, a video, you can find it on Twitter <laughs> at Miller and Condon. Really? I retweeted it of those two literally running to the tee. That's crazy. <laughs> um, Same thing happens on your media course. Yeah, that's hey, we're late. Point. Yeah, get that six pack, and I got to run out to the tee. Yeah, I got Rory and Tiger almost. We will uh, catch up with Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Next, Clyde Edwards Hilaris, today's focal point. Uh, as we continue taking you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KX and Own. Get hope, hopelawfirm.com. dot com. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Papa John's presents Mitch Holtis on a 
Daily basis throughout training camp Monday through Friday and weekly during the regular season. He's back with us in his normal spot. We're going to talk about their first overall pick at some point. Mitch Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. You know where I want to start with you, Mitch, is uh, is Alex Smith and his story. Of course, former chief, and I know he was beloved with the franchise. I uh, meant a lot to the uh, to the city as well. I don't know if you had a chance to catch the E60 that played during mm-hmm. uh, at some point during the pandemic. I became such a huge Alex Smith fan watching that. What a great story, and, and it's difficult to root against him uh, in his quest to make it back. Really, one of, it'll, and it'll be one of the more forgotten stories um, of the National Football League, you know, as it pertains to Patrick Mahomes. And as long as the Lord gives me days on this earth, I'm going to remind everyone of what Alex Smith meant to the Kansas City Chiefs franchise and to the maturation and the apprenticeship of Patrick Mahomes. Now, the e, I did see the E60 feature on Alex. It also showed you how incredible Elizabeth is, yeah, his for wife. Sure. They became good acquaintances and friends here. Yeah, I wept as I saw it. I mean, mm. to see how close we were hearing things, but, you know, that E60 uh, feature puts you right in the middle of it, and to see his leg and the fact that he was close to amputation and uh, his life was in danger. Uh, yeah, I saw it and uh, left quite an impact. Yeah, it did. No doubt. Well, we knew the story of the Canadian doctor, Laurent Dauvinet Tardif. Well done, Trent. Uh, yeah, how my, my French. Mm-hmm. I took German, so that was a struggle for me. Damian Williams also opting out. And then today, more yeah. news. Third-round draft pick, it is Lucas Niang is going to be sitting out here. Certainly a blow with already the news that we had along that offensive line. Now a second offensive lineman out that Mitch, was he anticipated to be a starter this year? He was in the channel. He was in a, mm. that was going to be one of my reports next week. Um, was the fact that Lucas Niang was going to be more in the mix than people realized as a third round draft pick and starting at right guard. Eventually, I think the plan is to have him be a tackle. But this was a surprise this morning, and this was pretty fresh. I mean, this is when the last 90 minutes that uh, the report came out. The team has not confirmed it yet, but it appears the Chiefs now have three opt-out players, and I would say three prominent players, uh, two starters with uh, the guys you mentioned, and then a potential starter in Lucas Niang. The Chiefs will have to compensate. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire in, in a second, but I want to talk about, you mentioned Niang. I thought the Chiefs had an, inc- for where they were positioned you know, as the Super Bowl mm-hmm. champs, their draft, Mitch, especially at the top with Niang, Willie Gay's a guy that I think people are going to maybe not know, realize, they're going to catch on how good he is, and I loved Edwards-Alaire. I thought the Chiefs had a really good draft. Yeah, and you want to get four out of every draft class. Uh, if you look at really successful teams, you want to hit on four. Uh, and I'm going to get into some of these guys next week, and I'm going to get into Willie Gay Jr. next week because I think he gives the Chiefs a chance to win day one and where the Chiefs could actually be better in 2020 than they were in 2019. But Edward Hilaire, uh, of course, had all the bright spot on him because of being the first-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, the thing, Ken, I would tell you about him, he's a, he's a Darren Sproles clone. Yeah. That's what he looks like. And if you want to watch some video on him, watch his game against Alabama. Uh, incredible game, what, uh, 200 all-purpose yards maybe uh, in a 46-41 game, but a, a couple sprawls likes plays. But for Edwards Hilaire, here's the thing. Can he catch on to the offense? This is Calc 3. Andy Reid's offense is not simple. And yet it appears, and Andy Reid has said this, that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is catching on. 
And for him, he's been on this. He's been doing his homework virtually really all summer. I feel absolutely comfortable being able to. We, we did installs uh, before everybody had the, the online installs, and I was able to, to run routes and, and do things from our playbook beforehand. So coming in, ultimately, my thing is just to learn. Um, you know, I have I have a lot of guys that's, that's vets in the room and, and guys who have been here that I can absolutely learn from and pick their brain. So I have that at my disposal, and, and I'm just here to be a team player. Yeah, don't overlook the sausage here, Anthony Sherman, a veteran in this league mm. for 10 years who can sit there and tutor him on the offense. But it's also, Ken and Trent, you guys know this, it's not just about running and catching. If you're going to play running back in pass the NFL pro. and in this offense, you better pass protect. Yep, absolutely. What about uh, folks in our audience that uh, love to play fantasy football, Mitch? Uh, what kind of season <laughs> should they expect from the rookie from LSU? Well, they're trying to pick their RB1 and their Chiefs fans. They really want to pick Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I would give a bit of a Surgeon General's warning, though, <laughs> knowing that with Daryl Williams and DeAndre Washington coming in from the Raiders uh, and Darwin Thompson, that Andy likes to shuffle his cards there. Um, wow. I, I would. It, Andy's never used, outside of a Kareem Hunt, at least with the Chiefs, where he's taken one guy and that's my running back. You see it shift so often depending on the opponent down in distance, the offensive package. CEH will be one, but he's a risky fantasy pick just because Andy likes to spread the wealth. All right, I'm going to take this a step further for you, Mitch. If I make the decision, <laughs> I'm going to go out and I'm going to take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I want to handcuff him, which in, in fantasy t- terms means you also draft the backup, usually late in your draft. Who would be the second running back that you would draft to take there to have with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, either if he's slow to get acclimated right away or if an injury, God forbid, hits there. Who would be that second on that list you'd take for fantasy? Well, put an asterisk on this, but I'd take <laughs> Daryl Williams yeah. uh, mm. because you've got to have a power back. Mm-hmm. And to me, DeAndre Washington and, and Darwin Thompson are the same. Daryl Williams, go back and watch his – they may not beat Baltimore last year without Daryl Williams. Yeah. And he's got more of that – Damian Williams, 225 poundish to him. He just doesn't run a 4-3-7 like Damian Williams, but you're going to see him get some poundage work. And here's your big one, Trent, goal line. Yeah. He may be in there at the goal line, short yardage, to get you those cheap fantasy touchdowns. <laughs> Love that. Cheap fantasy touchdowns. <laughs> hey, Mitch, last thing for me, and I want to talk, obviously, about Papa John's before we let you go. I'm sure it's not lost on you or anybody in the organization. I mean, it's a copycat league, and everybody's trying to find the next cheetah, right? Everybody wants their own Tyree kill. Um, and that has been very apparent as we watch the draft unfold. You know what? It's really the story of the AFC West and their draft. You look at your Broncos, uh, they have tried to do that, and uh, they tried to do it in this class. Definitely the other two. Rugs uh, and Raiders. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So they they would love to clone Tyreek Hill, and here's where they'd love to clone him, all of the things, he, all the ways he can beat you. Right. They can be a punt return. Don't overlook him playing some running back. Wow. Okay? I could show you. I could rent – I know we're not using the theaters, I don't think, in Des Moines. But if I rented one and just the three of us watched, I would cut up some tape and show you, oh, look, it's Tyreek Hill as a running back. The go-ahead touchdown again in Super Bowl 54 to Damian Williams. Guess who's in the backfield with Damian Williams? Hmm. Tyreek Hill. And was a decoy on that play perfectly because the 49ers bid on him 
allowing Williams to get to the corner with, with uh, less than usual pursuit. So just don't take away the imagination of Andy Reid here in compensating for Damian Williams opting out. All right, Papa John's. We talked about the shakaroni. Shakaroni. Oh, shakaroni. So, it, it looks incredible. I, I got to put this certainly on the menu. In fact, I got the kids tonight. My wife uh, has something going on. Like so you have a plan. I think we're looking at a shakaroni. Tell us about Papa John's and the great Donaldson family and what they do here in central Iowa in our community. I don't know what Darren DeVries, the drag coach, is doing for lunch, but he may be having a shakaroni yeah. now. He may be having a nap at 2 o'clock after <laughs> having a shakaroni, but this shakaroni extra large for just $12. Uh, and again, a dollar is donated out of that 12 to the Papa John's Foundation for Building Community. So uh, it's the largest foldable slice ever invented. I think they invented it at their secret place in Johnston. But um, it's located with, uh, loaded with extra pepperoni and extra cheese. So the shakaroni, and you can't get close to that uh, their research facility in Johnson. It is very heavily fortified. Tightly guarded secret, no doubt about it. Mitch, yeah, thank you. the Johnson curve. <laughs> Indeed. Yep. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you guys. Good to talk right. to you. Mitch Holt is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Papa John's sponsors Mitch on a daily basis. All right, uh, hour number two coming up next. John Bowen Camp, Joe Donald, Trent, and I are going to preview the wild pivotal game three against the Canucks. That's at one thirty on MS... No, NBCSN. Miller and Condon until noon, 1460 kicks and 0106.3.